Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we hear exclusively from European Ryder Cup captain Padre Carrington. Hi guys, Elliot Heath here for the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast. Hope you're all well and safe during these difficult times. Today we have quite a cool podcast for you. It's a short one, but a, a really good one. Uh, Joel Tabman, our equipment editor, spoke to Padre Harrington over the phone last week. And Harrington spoke about all sorts of things, um, mainly the Ryder Cup, but also about his golf tips that he's doing on social media, his love for coaching, this year's schedule and... Uh, yeah quite a few other things as well so yeah i hope you enjoy that thanks for all your continued support of the podcast we've got some really good interviews coming up soon including paul mcginley and uh taylormade's keith sparborough on how taylormade signed john Rahm. that's a really fascinating story so look out for that one in the coming weeks as always check the golf monthly website for all the latest news and to get your golf fix as well as all the latest news we've also got some really good features going up and uh lots of great videos as well so follow us on social media at golf monthly magazine on facebook and at golf monthly on twitter and instagram also we're currently running an offer where you can get a free digital copy of the magazine so check that out on the golf monthly website and without further ado let's get into this week's interview with Padre Carrington. Padre, thank you for joining us on the golf monthly podcast on what should have been the masters wednesday obviously very sad but understandable that the masters has been postponed um but you've played in many masters and what i'd like to know first of all is what would a masters wednesday look like for you would you play some holes would you just go to the range and would you play the par three competition i i always played the par three competition i've won it three times i i really as much as i wanted to win the masters i really wanted to break that superstition and duck of winning the par three and the masters uh part of my personality is like really enjoy proving people wrong so yeah that was something I would have loved to have done I did the first part three times unfortunately I never got the, the main part done but yeah look Wednesday like all majors you, you should be ready to play the major on Monday uh, and when you get to Wednesday it's about getting a feel for the course of the atmosphere kind of relaxing and getting yourself into it so that you're fresh and ready to go Thursday so I would Actually, what I would do is I'd play the par three competition early enough that I could go back to the golf course uh, and play a couple of holes just to make sure that the latest possible time to see if the greens are firming up, if the greens are getting fast, so that I'm ready for what to expect going out the next day. Okay, very good. Um, and I was going to ask you how you've been filling your time during this COVID-19 lockdown but anyone who kind of follows golf on social media will know that you've been sharing a whole host of video tips on instagram hashtag paddy's golf tips um i've been really enjoying them um but what i want to know is from you is coaching and teaching and helping people improve has that always been a passion of yours oh i've always loved it uh, really 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 loved it uh, i enjoy my programs every week i get three different amateurs and i'm always trying to figure out what can I say to them that will help them be a better player? I never leave. I I hopefully never let the player who played with me that he didn't have something to work on and something to make them better uh, afterwards. And if they stick to it, it will make them better. But as you know, 
uh, most amateurs will give up on anything after one bad shot, they'll look for something else. But unfortunately, there's never a quick fix like that. Well, very rarely anyway. And that, uh, you know, I'm trying to do these tips. I, I love coaching. I think everybody should be able to play off single figures. It's not that hard to get single figures. And if you're not getting there, it's because you've got this game mixed up in your head. And I'm hopefully, all my videos are aimed at that sort of golfer, the, the weekend warrior who's, yeah, he's trying hard, but, you know, he's not quite getting the results. And I'm, I'm not focused at all on the elite players. That would be a completely different set of lessons. This is all for the sort of people I would see it, you know, when I do corporate clinics for my sponsors and that, just to make them, give them something that they can always have to go away to a golf course and if things are going bad they can always go yeah I keep doing this and things will will improve so hopefully give them a better understanding and you've given some great tips over the last few weeks is there one that was a particular favour that you think would really help the most amount of golfers out could I pick one I I don't know if I could pick one they're all favourites I think the chipping one I start with is, is, is definitely the one that has the most immediate effect and the quickest to get into your game. Uh, get a grip on SDH, the first three letters of school, is, is certainly one I would start all my clinics off with. Uh, the throwing is another one I would always introduce quickly in a clinic. Uh, you know, outside of those, you, you know, those three tips, you could probably, you could pretty much walk away and you'd be fine. If you're, you know, on each one of those, it only takes a couple of minutes to, to, to understand them. So, if you knew those ones, you'd be you'd be fine for the rest of your life. But there's plenty; they're all simple enough, and 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 they all build on each other. You know, you know, teaching you how to hit a draw if you if you're slicing it, teaching you how to stop hooking it if you're obviously if you're hooking it. You know, they're reasonably simple, and they should appeal to different people at different stages of their golfing journey. So there's stuff for beginners. There's stuff for you know intermediaries. And, and depending on what you're struggling at, and everybody, you know, even in professional games, you always find nobody has everything. Everybody has one part of the game that's not as good as the rest. They, they might find driving it well, but, you know, they're not a good iron player. You know, they might be very good teeny green, but they're not very good chipping. You tend to see that a lot, uh, clearly, because if you hit a lot of fairways and greens, you don't get a lot, a lot of opportunities to practice your chipping under pressure. And just by the nature of it, 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 your chipping is never as good. Yeah, and obviously you you sound like you're very keen to help golfers out, but do these tips and advice extend to your fellow tour players or do you draw the line there? If a tour player asks me for a lesson, I will give them the lesson. You have to ask personally. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm happy to give, give the lesson at this stage of my, my career. I would not offer advice unless asked. And I would not offer advice if I'm, asked, if I'm asked by the manager, that's not good enough either. If somebody jumps through that last hoop and decides that they want to learn something from me, that's fine, I will tell them. And in general, I'm very happy to do it. Uh, you know, it, it's strange though. It, it, uh, like I had a run-in with one player who asked me for a lesson. Well, his manager asked me for a lesson and I said, no, he asked that. We eventually asked. And then a couple of months later, I saw him doing a terrible terrible uh, thing at the side of the green he was hitting full shots taking divots and you know because he'd asked me for the lesson he'd, already, he'd opened the door to me so I went up to him and told him how disappointed I was because I'd given him the lesson so there's there's always a catch if you ask for a lesson I expect something back and that's you know 
certificate and things like that. So uh, there's always a price to pay for everything. Yeah, of course. Um, and aside from your coaching videos, how else have you been keeping yourself busy at home during the lockdown? I mean, has your wife had to cut your hair yet or are you, you managing to avoid that? Uh, we are discussing the haircut at this stage. I reckon I'd get another week out of this. Uh, I, I'm tending to do the opposite of what, like if I normally, would, if I had a break away from the tour, I would never shave. Just wouldn't shave. I'd grow the beard. The hair would go shaggy, the whole lot. But because this is forced on us, I'm trying to be the opposite. I'm trying to say no. And I'm, I'm making sure I shave and I'm trying to keep myself washed. <laughs> I'm trying to make that effort. Uh, it, you know, if I was in an office job, it'd be like I'd nearly put a suit on. You know, <laughs> it's just to say, no, this is not getting the better of me. But I, I've actually been incredibly busy. Uh, you know, I'm doing lots of interviews. I'm, the videos themselves, the lessons, they don't take a long time to video. I, I nearly nail all of them first time. I'm not trying to be perfect. You know, this isn't a... This isn't about having perfect production. This is about just having a nice, friendly video. Uh, but I struggle. I'm getting better at it. I struggle with the uploading and the, that side of things. Been a bit of time spent trying to get it up and on all that. And I, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, and I don't want to, you know, I check it even though I, I, I'm not a perfectionist with the production. I'm checking it afterwards. So it takes a bit of time. There's no doubt I've been busy. And I'm practicing. I've got lots of stuff to do in my own game. I'm, I'm working on my own game. And as always, you know, this is a time for tinkering. I, I've got two kids in the house, so I'm spending more time than ever with my kids. I'm having a putting competition with my uh, eldest son every day. We go out there and have an 18-hole putting competition. So, you know, there's, there's yeah, I'm, I'm busy enough. Definitely, yeah, sounds like you've got lots to do. Um, well, I just want to move on then, Padraig, and just get your reaction to the, the new schedule that was announced jointly by all the tours um, the other day. I mean, what are your thoughts on the way that things have panned out with the Open being cancelled and the three American majors moving to later in the year and, and the US Open taking place the week before the Ryder Cup? Yeah, uh, look, I would have loved to have said and, and hoped that the Open could have been postponed I think they made the right choice in the end of the day that, you know, getting it organised and getting it done at three or four months later, it was just it was just an impossibility for the Open. And, and with health and safety in mind, I think they made the, the right decision. Yes, it would have been, it was disappointing, but, you know, if you stand away from it, there's no need for the Open to be played this year. Uh, it's, it's a great event. It's missed years before for important reasons. This is an important reason. We'll have a great open in 2021, and we'll all look forward to it. As regards the other events, yeah, it's, you know, obviously the PGA's got pushed into August. I think that's our first, well, maybe there might be a tour event before that, but, you know, even that's under pressure, isn't it, that time of the year. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, extend that further out. We're just hoping that, you know, we get playing by September, at the end of September, for the Ryder Cup. Uh, It's still... You know, the tours have had to push and put them out there, but they're still obviously up in the air in terms of, uh, you know, will we be playing golf? Will we be able to travel? What travel restrictions will there be in, in, in July and August? Uh, so we, we'll have to wait and see. There's not much. These decisions are well and truly outside even the tours control. 
you know, this is these are government uh, decisions and restrictions, and and how this pandemic keeps going, and and whether there's vaccines and not maybe not vaccines, but certainly whether it, it's under control at that stage uh, will determine whether you know we're out there and playing. You know, I understand much as I would like to go play golf and get out and be do that thing. There are much bigger things, much more important things at the moment. So we're just happy to sit and wait and bide our time and, and stay at home like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Obviously, yeah, the safety of everyone is the most important thing. But, I mean, assuming that the events do happen when they are proposed, obviously the schedule would have ramifications on the qualification period for the Ryder Cup and the European team. It would be a lot shorter. There would be one less major before. Have you had any thoughts about altering the, the criteria, given that form might be slightly less relevant and maybe having one, two more, or maybe even all 12 as captain picks for the matches? We have done, myself and, and the tour of Donald Barbie have put a number of mathematical models in place to show how the qualification could be altered and how it could be made uh, fair and, and balanced. So we just have to wait and see when we get going which one of those models is the, the likely one to be used. But they, they, they've done their homework and it, it, everything they've done is logical, it follows. Uh, we just have to wait now and see when we get going. You know, there are different scenarios on the table. Uh, they're very consistent all the same, you know, as regards the team. So it's, it's, it's not a, it, it's, it's quite reasonable. So again, we'll just wait and see. Even if it's, even if it's the first week back, uh, we would have a strong team. The U.S. would have a strong team. It would be a fair match. Uh, no matter whether players have, are in form or not in form, they'll have the same issues as us, and we'll go and see what happens. Do you foresee a situation where Americans are playing more golf before the Ryder Cup than the Europeans, given the problems with the kind of European tour schedule at the moment? I think there's big events, you know, our, our main guys, yes, you can have some of the, I know, most of our guys are competing in those US events and, and, and obviously the major, so, Look, there's a lot of scenarios. We'd have to wait and see what those scenarios are. But I obviously have picks, so it's fair and balanced. As regards whether they're competitive, yeah, it'd be interesting. You know, who knows? Maybe we're playing before them. You know, you just don't know how this schedule is going to pan out in terms of, uh, you know, who's coming out of this first in terms of the pandemic and, 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 uh, you know whether it's we could be back playing golf in Europe first. I'm not, I just don't know what's going to happen, and there really is. There's no reason to start. Sorry, there is reason to start thinking about it and, and, and organising and planning for the eventuality. But there's not really, a, you know, there's nothing to comment on until I actually know uh, how how it sits. Of course, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and just thinking about. You're the potential makeup of your team. Are there any potential rookies out there that you'd love to to make it onto the team? I really hope I have some rookies. Uh, our European team has always uh, been all the better for the rookies. They, they add an awful lot to the team, both in enthusiasm and they give purpose to some of the senior players. The, you know, it, 
there wouldn't be a Ryder Cup unless you, it wouldn't be a Ryder Cup team, a European Ryder Cup team unless we had uh, rookies in there to, to to entertain us and to play great and they always play great golf uh, as I said to give purpose to some of the senior players it, it really is a, it, it, I, would, I wouldn't want to be there without, without some rookies That's, and they're the ones who are always informed if they make it in anyway but there's they, been many a great story with the rookies over the years from, from Europe and is there a former captain that you've played under or perhaps a vice captain that you've worked with um, that has had a really big influence on you in terms of shaping the style of captain that you want to be? I think they all have had an influence. Uh, I learned more from being a vice captain for sure, but you know, even the captains I've played, when, you, when you're a player, you're very into what you're doing, so it's, you don't see as much. But, but for sure, I, I would have seen different styles of captaincy. Uh, and as a vice captain, you see even more. I think, you know, not one one size does not fit all. You've got to be the captain to each player in the team. And, and, and when I look back at it and talk to players, you know, it's amazing the amount of times I would have a great experience, great Ryder Cup captain, and somebody would tell me that they didn't, that they had a, a, a tough time that week, that something wasn't right. So, you know, you have to make sure you're a captain to everybody, that not that your style, uh, you know, your style doesn't necessarily suit each player. You have to, I have to understand what each player wants and, and, and be that for them rather than try and enforce my style on them. I have to make sure if somebody needs a kind word, they get it. And if somebody needs to kick up the backside, they get it too. Uh, you know, everybody is, is motivated in different ways. And, uh, you know, my job is to, is first, recognize that and then secondly to respond to it and, and you know maybe it's a pity if we don't have a build-up you know in the sense that you know some of the build-up is about me getting to know those things and, and actually working on it and building those relationships so that you know you don't get there on the on the Monday evening and have to start building relationships or finding out things where that can be done with even as I said you know, a, a five-minute chat and the players then, and you, you know, six weeks before, builds up, okay, you start understanding somebody and, and, and what makes them tick. Of course, yeah. Just just give us some insight, Padraig, into the level of detail and the time invested from yourself that it takes to, to be a Ryder Cup captain. Yeah, you know, there's obviously a lot. Last year, there was a lot of administration, and, and it's still coming into this year, I, I, you know, when it comes to, you know, picking out team clothing and, and those sort of things, golf bags, hats, then you go on to, you know, team rooms, what you want at the clubhouse, what you want at the at the hotel. I visited the hotel, looked at the, at the bedrooms, you know, you, you, you go into little details like that to, to make sure everything is there and everything works. What are you looking for I from a hotel room when, specifically? Well, you've got to check the, the right rooms. Everybody's got what what they need. You have enough of them. You have the privacy. Uh, yeah, you'd be surprised. Go into a hotel. Yeah, what choices you have. You know, you you could like in our choices, we could have gone to different floors, and you could have gone for bigger rooms, but spread out where you we went for slightly more nice, more but a little bit more standard size, and uh, but in a tighter, more team environment. You know, there's little things like that. You'd be surprised what goes into it. And then, and then the, the actual team room of 
where the players, where the uh, the physio, the gym, the you know support staff, the the caddies, the what else goes the the, you know, the administration, all that sort of stuff. Uh, a team meeting room, captain's meeting room. There's a lot. There's a chill out. There's, there's a lot of things that you get into into, uh, into the hotel, and they all have to be laid out. You, you know the team of what you're trying to build that week. There's there's many things that go into the administration. Like only last week, I was trying on the rainwear to make sure uh, you know how it fit it, what it felt like. I didn't quite get the waterproof side of it, but. I, I'm assured that's been tried in the shower almost at the moment this week. <laughs> so yeah, you know, this, you, it's all all detail. I had an hour of meeting on hats at one stage. Right. What are you looking yeah. for in your in your hats for your team, Patrick? Uh, well, fifteen minutes into the realised into the meeting, I realised I wasn't the person. <laughs> yeah. yeah So yeah, it's a crucial bit. No, no, it's great. Obviously, clearly a crucial bit of kit to get right. So glad to see a lot of uh, time has been invested into it. Well, believe it or not, players, players are concerned about it. It was not something I was concerned about, but I'm concerned about anything the players are concerned about. As you can see, I listened far more to the business side of, of the presentation than I did to there's different types of fittings and the five-ply this and the five-panel and, yeah. I wasn't so focused on that end of it. I stripped it off, and I knew that there was somebody with more uh, more qualifications to do that. So delegation is important. <laughs> Very good. But ultimately, Patrick, presumably you have the final say on basically everything that's involved with the Ryder Cup setup. I'd like to say I do, uh, and I'm sure they try and convince me to believe I do. But I'm sure there's there's there's, there's there's a way of persuading me to get there to get what what's needed. It's a big organisation. We're a big team. Uh, it's it's very important to the tour. And, and the one thing you'll find with the Ryder Cup, which is fantastic, it's very much part of the European tour. So you have a player coming from South Africa. You have a player coming from uh, Australia. Uh, a player coming from Asia, and they're every bit as much behind the Ryder Cup. It's starting as they'll never get to play in the Ryder Cup, but they're like it's a big deal to to everybody on the tour. And you know, as captain, you have to take that responsibility that sometimes there there's it's more important than just winning, even though that's obviously very important. There's there's bigger things at play, and and that's why you know at times you just have to understand that that it's for the greater good. Everything about the Ryder Cup. 
So thanks for listening to the podcast this week. Hope you really enjoyed that interview with Harrington. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast on your usual provider and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you listen. Like I said at the start, we've got some really cool interviews coming up soon, so listen out for those. But until then, stay safe and you'll hear from us again very soon.